So 10 episodes, I talked to a, a chancellor, right? Chancellor Gilliam of a major university. He's in the North Carolina system. And he told a story of, of meeting a kid, right? A student of his on campus who's showing up just with the luggage and, and talking to her and what's her story and coming to find out that it's her, uh, she's the first one in her family to go to college. So he's talking about, oh, when they come in to, you know, pick you up again and will they come to this event, that event? She's like, no, they'll come in four years, right? And for him in that moment, he saw, whoa, this is a first-generation college student that is literally just dropped off on campus and only has herself right now to navigate uh, this college experience. So 10 episodes later in this episode, I get to talk with somebody I, I deeply respect in our industry, uh, Dr. Mike Stacy, and I find out through our conversation that was him. Now, not the same. His family didn't drop him off and never visit again in four years, but he was a first-generation college student, and now he leads incredible district there in Northern Kentucky, and we get to hear a bit about that story. So I'm excited to have that conversation and bring you into that moment. But, but Mike is really great with leadership. And uh, we're going to hear so many valuable ideas uh, from a high, high level, the superintendent's seat. And the way he ends the podcast is powerful. I haven't heard what makes a principal successful distilled like that before. So you'll want to stick around to the end. Hey, it's Daniel and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and lead your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get world-class Harvard faculty research specifically adapted for pre-K through 12 schools. Experience self-paced online PD that fits your schedule. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. That's hgse.me forward slash leader. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose virtual PD is equipping thousands of teachers with the skills they need to create engaging, equitable, and rigorous virtual or blended classes. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizeBinder.com. Hey there, Ruckus Makers. I am joined today by Dr. Mike Stacy. Uh, he's somebody that I've connected with in the past and truly enjoy our conversations. So we are uh, very lucky to have him on the show. He's currently the superintendent at Beechwood Independent Schools in Northern Kentucky. Uh, this is his sixth year in the position. And during his educational career, He's had the opportunity to be an administrator at the building level, including elementary, middle, and high school, and the district office. During his 20 years as an administrator, he's enjoyed a lot of different aspects of his work, but coaching principals is what he loves most. Well, Dr. Stacy, welcome to the show. 
All right. Thank you for having me, Danny. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to start, you know, knowing that you are a first generation college student and just what that experience is like, you know, landing on campus and, and all the things that other families and students might know if they're sort of like a legacy student that their, you know, parents and their grandparents all went to college. But for you, this is the first time stepping on campus and, and tell us what that was like. Yeah, so as a first-generation college student, uh, it was scary. I mean, to be honest with you, and and on top of that, I was a jock. Uh, so uh, I'll never forget my senior year of high school. My counselor told me, "Mike, just find something easy to major in, and maybe you'll make it." Uh, so you have those doubts and those fears uh, in your mind of of will I fit in? Will I be able to find a, what will I major in? And and just that anxiety uh, was always present. Uh, especially out of the gate. Right. Yeah. I can only imagine how, how, how tough that is too. And, you know, so, so did you pick education right out of the, right out of the gate for you or uh, did you eventually end up there? No, I, I did not. I picked <laughs> pharmacy right out of the gates. Okay. Uh, and, then, and then I met organic chemistry uh, and then I changed and I went through about seven majors uh, and eventually uh, just found classes that resonated with me. Right. Uh, communications was one of them. So I'm a communications major. I really got into the social sciences. So I'm also a sociology major. And then I have a natural love of history. So I ended up with a history minor. And all of those put together uh, really do a great job getting you a, a job working tables at, at O'Charlie's. Right. Uh, so then I... Then I had to go back uh, on a career change from law enforcement. Uh, my lovely wife uh, eventually had an impact on me, and I went back and became an education major uh, through a master's degree program. If I remember correctly, were you uh, a history teacher? Is that is that right? Mm-hmm. I was. Yeah. Got it. No, I really enjoy uh, my content. Uh, I missed that tremendously. In, in my current uh, position. And that's why I still, you know, hop in and teach a, teach a class every now and then. And that's what I wanted to ask about. I thought I've seen you uh, talk about that on, on Twitter, where you'll still teach some history courses. And so what's what's that like? Uh, and, and how do you figure that out? And, and, and what's your motivation to do so? Let me ask you that. So my motivation, you know, I used to teach college courses and those were really celebrated for a superintendent or a leader to teach a college course. Uh, But then it was almost in some ways a negative connotation for many people that I would ever decide to teach a high school course. But my motivation is simple. Uh, You know, kids are great. Uh, They're so much easier to work with than adults. Uh, (laughs) And to have that connection uh, with them in my current position is is something that I don't take lightly. Uh, Obviously, I I can't do it every year, but I do teach AP European history from time to time. And number one, I enjoy the content. Number two, it keeps me really engaged and present uh, with what kids are feeling or seeing or experiencing during the school year. Uh, and then and then finally, it just it just keeps me uh, engaged professionally uh, with exactly wh- why I do what I do. 
Right, right. And uh, when you teach those courses, do you have to go in like undercover boss and you wear some sort of disguise and you're just Mr. Stacy or even a name change or, or do you go in as, as the superintendent? Yeah, you know, then I'm six, seven and a really big guy I don't <laughs> in a lot of places. Right. So, yeah, no, I don't have a lot of classroom management issues. I mean, that's true. But uh, to my students, I'm just Doc. Uh, you know, they call me Doc. Yeah. And um you know, the first month is usually they're really quiet and it takes me about this time of the year to get them uh, to loosen up, to actually uh, start looking at perspective and narrative and the bigger picture stuff that we really want kids to glean uh, from their uh, history courses. Tell us about opening up and, and keep in mind, too, right? We, we do have classroom teachers that are listening, uh, but the majority of, of listeners that we call ruckus makers, those that are making change and not in education and thinking in an out of the box ways, you know, how, how might they apply potentially what you use with students in terms of uh, getting their staff to even open up? Well, I mean, as far as reopening of schools after the pandemic? No, no, I'm thinking more because uh, you're, you're talking about, I think the students, like they're, they're a bit quiet because Doc is standing there teaching them, right? And then, you know, a few months later, they're like, okay, relaxed. And they let them, tr- their true selves be seen. So opening up in that way. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, relationships are definitely a key from a leadership standpoint, regardless of your whether you're in the classroom or uh, in the, the front office or even at the district level. So really, it's just for me personally, uh, my strength in the classroom comes from those relationships and building and understanding kids both inside and outside of the classroom and what makes them tick and that they kind of day to day banter. Uh, and, and I really approach uh, my students very much the same way I do my staff. You have to have a relationship with someone uh, before you can truly get to the, the level, uh, both academically, conversationally, professionally, from an outcome standpoint, across the board. That is one of my pillars for education. And, you know, I love this quote by Derek Sivers, what's ordinary to use, extraordinary to me. So I'm curious if there's a uh, like a tool or an approach that could be coined, you know, the Dr. Mike Stacy approach that uh, is one thing that you know you're going to do to build those relationships. And again, it might seem just very average and ordinary, but for us hearing it, it probably is something very uh, special and unique. So what would that one tool or approach be that helps you build those relationships? I mean, for me, it's, it, it, there's, I'm personally for me, uh, it's probably more from an emotional intelligence standpoint than it is any mm-hmm. other. I, I need to know what makes you tick uh, as a person. I need to know what you love. I need to know what you hate. I need to know what makes you excited. I need to know what makes you nervous. Uh, The better I know you as an individual and as a human being, then the easier it is for me to connect to you as a person. Right, right. From an educational standpoint, from a relationship standpoint. Uh, And and so that's a tool that I use a lot. It's just that, that emotional uh, and t- from, you know, the emotional intelligence, uh, you know, more about you than than any other aspect. And, you know, I don't know if, if everyone uh, that would be appropriate or even something that they would be able to do. But for me, that's that's what I need. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. We read Emotional Intelligence 2.0 in the Mastermind and uh, some of the research that they've done um, that the highest performers, the leaders that have the, the most impact, 
also have the highest, the highest uh, developed uh, emotional intelligence. And so whether that's a knowing of self, which is the internal look or what you're talking about, an external look and understanding what makes uh, those around you and those you serve, as you say, tick, that's incredibly, incredibly important. And I, I think not only knowing that builds a relationship, but it, it builds trust as well. Yeah, so I, I think that you're right. It's a marriage between the external and the internal because I've got to change my internal from kid to kid uh, mm. based on what I'm learning externally. And and great book. I was just looking. You probably saw me look away. Uh, that book was <laughs> laying on my desk. Uh, it's a great book, a great read, uh, and something that I think is completely underestimated uh, within our profession. Speaking of that, is it... Is there a way we can test for emotional intelligence as leaders? You know, the, the interview process is so high stakes in the sense, um, you know, they come into the district and hopefully you've made the right choice and made a good investment. Uh, so is that, is that something that you, yeah, are comfortable speaking about in terms of like how you look for that within uh, in an interview process? Yeah, well, I've always been told I'm a good interview. Right. Uh, okay. Because I, I, I'm completely not. Let me let me uh, restate, uh, you know, from a from a, an equity standpoint, I, I do always have a set of questions. I ask the right. same set of questions of all the applicants. Uh, however, there are tangents that we run on uh, and there are absolutely questions that have nothing to do with education. Right. That I ask, I, I don't know whether they're uh, they're great or not. But you know, most educators aren't trained as interview people. Uh, we don't go through the processes. We don't go through the training. Uh, and and I've been lucky to have some connection with some of those trainings from the business world. So I I, I probably interview a little bit differently. I ask questions like uh, if if you were uh, you know a literary character. You know, right. who would you be and why? I mean, you know, just uh, different things. I, I also have uh, questions that uh, there are no right or wrong answer to. Uh, and mm -hmm. I just want to see what happens uh, when you put out a question that really has a no right or wrong, uh, just to see their process of working their way through that question. But, you know, other than that, I, I, I am aware of, of some processes for personality to try to you know, bring out personalities to be able to put into a job. Uh, but I have not been formally trained on some of those. Gotcha. Well, I'd like to loop back with uh, being a first generation college student and, you know, fast forward from that time to then sitting in the superintendent seat running a district. Well, what are some of those lessons you learned uh, back as a student, first generation, that you apply now as a leader of, of an entire district? I think the first one would just be resiliency. Uh, you know, one thing that you learn in any position when you're an underdog uh, is that you have to be persistent and you have to hold tight uh, and, and hurdles are going to come. Obstacles, uh, you know, there are going to be times where you think that you're uh, out of the picture, uh, but you just have to stick with the, the whole process and be resilient, you know, no matter what comes your way. That was lesson number two. Uh, lesson number three, uh, two, I mean, lesson number one. Uh, lesson number two is don't let fear uh, and your own self-doubt take away a goal that you have for yourself or anyone else. And so many times, I think kids coming in from, an, uh, you know, maybe an underdog background you know, they almost limit themselves um, based on, you know, fear and just the, 
just the worry that they won't be successful. Uh, and and then number three is is learn what you know get with people who are successful uh, and and watch what they do and you know it, it's it's shocking how many social norms are present that you know maybe uh, people from my area of Kentucky or people from different backgrounds just aren't trained to, to do certain things uh, the same way and 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 it makes you feel inadequate. Your, your accent or the way you speak can make you feel inadequate. And, you know, for me, it would just be around a great group of guys uh, and girls uh, and, and really learning from them and watching them uh, and then being able to uh, almost mimic uh, things that they did to make themselves successful. That's great. And uh, Mike, I'd like to pause here just for a moment uh, for a message from our sponsors. But when we Get back. Um, I'd love to ask you about principal development, a topic that you and I are passionate about. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and empower your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership Program. Get online professional development that fits your schedule. We're now enrolling for February and June 2021. Courses include Leading Change, Leading Schools, and leading people. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. That's hgse.me forward slash leader. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Gutierrez using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during COVID. Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with uh, Dr. Mike Stacy, the superintendent at Beachwood Independent Schools in Northern Kentucky. And yeah, so I, I saw saw you uh, reply to a tweet. I don't even know what I was talking about and <laughs> something about leadership development. And, and you uh, said something that caught my eye. And I said, I wanted to ask you about that. And so I'd love to hear about uh, principal development in, in sort of systems and how you can do that or intentionally uh, within a district. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I enjoyed your tweet. I can't remember exactly what it said, uh, but it was about the need for developing principles. And for me, that that hit that resonated with me because I think the number one the number one job in all of education, the most important job in all of education for me personally is the building level principle. Uh, there's no doubt that a teacher impacts a kid more than anyone, but a building level principle impacts every teacher, every student directly. And so for me as a district leader, if I have great principles, 
then I am golden. Life is great. If I have weak uh, principles, then I've, my workload increased a lot. If I have bad principles, I've got major problems. And it, it doesn't matter how good I am uh, as a superintendent. So that whole process of training, developing, tapping talent, and trying to work with them through that growth process may be, in my opinion, the most important thing I do as a district leader. Yeah. In, in you know, if I was a, a new principal to, to your district, what might be some things that I, I could expect uh, from you and your team in terms of supporting my growth? One which you would either love or hate uh, is uh, a weekly conversation, not from a micromanaging standpoint, but just a check-in. Uh, how are you doing? What's, what's going well? What are you worried about? Uh, from a strategic stand, uh, planning standpoint, what what are you preparing to do in the future? You know, just those questions uh, and, and just to give the principal or assistant principal, I meet with APs too uh, from, a, from a development standpoint. Wanna, I just want to see their thought process. I just want to be able to coach uh, or guide them. And really at this point in my career, I'm more important. I'm more interested in that than I am about putting a notch on my own belt. You know, right. uh, my time's getting more short, uh, but they still have, you know, decades of impacting, you know, kids and adults. Well, thanks for that, Mike. And, and since, uh, you know, obviously I'm very passionate about principal development. Uh, your, your wife, your partner, Melody, has been a, a purple cow for years now and uh, brings so much value to our group. And I think this is an interesting opportunity for me because I don't know that I've I've spoken to somebody's partner, their husband, wife, or whatever, what they've observed in terms of the, the impact that the group might have had on their leadership. So I'd love to ask you how you've seen Melody grow uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's an interesting question. <laughs> so number one, and I think you do know this, uh, I have been jealous of that process. Uh, you know, I actually talked to you about trying to get a superintendent uh, cohort together for that very purpose. So number one, I think it's important to have an external group. As much as I try to work with my principals and my assistant principals to try to grow them and, and just be a support to them, I also think there's some, some times that they don't want to ask me questions. Mm. So it's great to have an external group. So number one, I, I would say I, I'm, I'm jealous of that opportunity. Uh, number two, I'm always asking her questions. Okay, so what do you uh, try to work me through the process? How does it go? Because uh, I'm curious, and and so I know I know a lot uh, just from uh, our discussions. Uh, I like the hot seat. I like that you do a learning component uh, to the uh, the call, uh, and 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 I think that is so important to maintain that opportunity. And then what I've really appreciated uh, just as a, a viewer uh, is her growing relationships with people in the group and the fact that they check in and have conversations outside of the typical, you know, one call a week that you do with them. And so that to me means that they, uh, that you have been successful in putting some kind of opportunity in front of them because it's developed that trust and that relationship uh, that they are connecting even outside of the, the weekly phone call. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a, I, honestly, I'm a fan. Uh, I, I think as superintendents, we don't do that enough. Uh, there is a value from verbalizing uh, with a peer 
your successes and your losses, your fears, your worries, what keeps you up at night. And we never get good enough that we don't need uh, a connection to someone else to talk through uh, those situations. Thank you. That that was very generous what you shared and uh, a first for me on the podcast. So I appreciate you, you giving those insights. Well, Mike, I'd, I'd love to get your high level uh, overview um, or, or reflection on 2020, which was a challenging year for, for education and schools uh, for the world. And I'd just love to, yeah, see from your seat, what is some of the things that, that you're pondering and thinking about in terms of the state of education regarding the pandemic? Man, that's a that's a heavy question right there, uh, Danny. Uh, number one, I think that I have been impressed by the resiliency of kids across the board. Uh, number two, teachers have really maintained in most, most districts uh, such a high level of, of work ethic and so much effort and time has gone into changing platforms really overnight and then going into a summer of really trying to piece exactly what's going to happen together and plan and and then just to be able to come into a semester and and, and many districts have to run two systems of, of learning and, and some systems I've heard of three, you know, that they've had to do that. That is impressive within itself. Uh, but what keeps me up at night and, and I want to celebrate that, but, but over here on the other side, what keeps me up at night is the fact that many of our students have not received the level of, of education that, that they need for nine months, uh, and and eventually it could be a year and three months uh, that they've they've lost. So we know there's going to be uh, gaps that are present, and and many systems they just don't have the, I mean, educational systems and platforms in place to catch kids up um, when they're behind, especially the vast numbers that are going to be coming back with. Uh, with some needs as far as needing to catch up on content. That keeps me up. Uh, Also, uh, I'm really worried. Uh, Social-emotional issues were a major problem uh, before this all hit. And based on what I see in parking lots across uh, America, uh, adults are having some issues with the whole issue. Uh, And I, I think that can only be assumed from students. Uh, our kids have been stressed. They watch their parents uh, stress, one, over a health issue, number uh, number two, over finances, uh, number three, over uh, other problems uh, with family. And those domino effects are coming back into our public schools across the United States. And I think all of those three go together to put a really new crisis in the face of most superintendents and principals and teachers across the United States. And with that crisis we'll be, we'll be dealing with and knowing that, you know, you're talking to a ruckus maker listening right now, uh, what would you tell him or her? Uh, give him a boost, a, a shot in the arm, boost of inspiration. Yeah. So number one, uh, most educators have never really failed. Uh, we're not going to fail in this time either. You know, and, and what I'm 
working on with our people is to lean into that challenge. I mean, we have to lean into the challenge. Uh, and we can't sit back or worry or worry about not being successful. The whole uh, aspect of doing something that you've never done before uh, is to is to take risks, to take uh, chances, and 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 then to evaluate. If something's not working, let's throw it aside uh, and come back. But I, I just don't want to approach school and I don't want any ruckus maker to approach school uh, and think that this is a problem that we can't solve. And speaking of messages, if you could put a message on all school marquees around the world just for a day, what would your marquee say? Nah, that's, a, that's actually the best softball you've asked me all day. <laughs> Lives are changed beyond these walls. And, you know, especially as someone like me uh, who uh, education uh, gave access uh, to a whole new uh, opportunity, that is absolutely the message that I would want to put out. Uh, and, and, and that lives have changed. And it's not just uh, one group of lives. It's any life has the potential to be changed beyond these walls. And Mike, if you were building a school from the ground up, you weren't limited by any resources. Your only limitation was your imagination. How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? Gosh, that's uh, interesting. So for me, uh, experiential learning, uh, when, when kids touch, uh, when kids experience, uh, when kids become fully engaged uh, in a process is when they, they learn best from my experience. Uh, so I, I would not want traditional barriers to exist from work, the, uh, the business world, uh, the university world. Uh, I would want all of them engaged in the processes uh, that we were putting place uh, in learning. Uh, I would also not have a traditional seven period, five days a week of moving around, uh, it would be much more flexible uh, and, and that would increase space and need of staff. Uh, but I, I think that if we could move more away from a rote schedule, uh, we would be better off as far as some of our capabilities of design and designing curriculum uh, that was more experientially based. Uh, and then, and then uh, finally, we'd have to have some kind of really cool brand uh, that I would be able to, uh, to uh, you know, a, a visual and, and written a word message because that brand, I would want that brand to really resonate throughout, the, you know, not only the, my state or the region, but the whole United States that, that we do things differently in this building. And, and you said my three priorities. Right. Okay, so uh, written and verbal communication, I think, cannot be underestimated uh, uh, or undervalued. And the better a person can communicate, uh, the, uh, both verbally and, and from a written standpoint, the, the more opportunities that they can get on their own. Uh, I think the other one would be equity. I always, you know, uh, I, they, I, I've never taken an AP course myself. I've never... I've been offered an advanced track myself because I came from one area of the county and because I was an athlete, I was automatically put into certain areas. Uh, so for me, I think the ability for any kid, any kid to have access to that learning platform uh, would be a, a requirement for me. 
And then finally, anyone who worked in that facility would be required. It would be a mandate uh, that they travel and they evaluate other schools and other programs, not only across the United States, but across the world, because until you really get out and watch how other people do this job, you really don't have the professional development that I would want you to have uh, in, in this new school. Yeah, I really, I, mean, I love all your points, but so much resonate with that last one. As you know, you know, living around the world, uh, how that's opened my eyes and, and helped me see, uh, okay, maybe my way is not the right way or the only way. Uh, and it's, it's definitely um, helped me become a better person. So thank you for everything you shared there. Well, Mike, uh, thanks for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. We talked about a lot, but of everything we talked about, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? Oh, if if I could pass along one thing, um, it would be that everybody tells the principal they have to be their curriculum lead, and and I don't disagree with that. Uh, but for me, I tell every principal, every one who wants to become a principal, there are three things that you have to do. And after 20 years of mentoring uh, principals and working with principals and watching who's successful and who's not, it's not personality driven. It's not male to female driven. Uh, In my past, it's been people who can do these three things. Relationship, who can build great relationships, who can stay consistent upon the best day and the worst day. I mean, just so consistent. Uh, And number three, produce. So I always tell principals, before you can get to all the things that they they want you to do, got to build relationships. You got to find a way to be consistent and you have to find what product this one school needs you to put on the table. And, And if you do those three things well, in my experience, you'll be a successful principal. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.